Hey everyone, welcome to Way of Life Podcast, where we firmly believe that everyone picks a way in life and what way you pick is extremely important and directly affects how you live. In this podcast, we seek to interview people from all around Australia and beyond on life's most important topics. Whether you're a Christian, a skeptic, or someone with a whole heap of questions, this podcast is for you. My name is Matt, a pastor living in Brisbane, Australia. This is Way of Life Podcast. Well, welcome everyone. If you want to come grab a seat, if you're here in person, and welcome if you are tuning in online. Um, so tonight, uh, we, uh, if you're here in person and this is your first time and you're kind of not used to this, uh, this isn't what we do every single week here at Wyndham Baptist at the night service. Uh, we try to do this about once a month where we have an interview with someone uh, around a particular topic. Um, usually they'll, they'll know a lot about it or they've studied it and these kinds of things. So we've had many, many people on in the past, which has been really, really great. And tonight we've got the awesome privilege of uh, having uh, Peter Francis, who is the uh, the principal of Malian College, which is like the uh, is the Brisbane um, Baptist College uh, that is there. And he uh, so he's been a pastor for number a number of years. I'll let him talk about that in a minute at uh, many different Baptist churches in the past. He's married to uh, Wendy Francis, who you might know from the Australian Christian Lobby, uh, or you might know her personally. Um, and then he's a he's a father to three children as well, and many uh, grandchildren I've been hearing as well. I get to hang out with a few of them at youth group as well, which is awesome. Um, but Peter, thank you so much for being on the podcast it's a it's a it's an absolute pleasure of mine real privilege to be here thanks Matt yeah how are you going how's how's your uh, week been so far uh, I'll, I'll be a lot better when I get past my assignment marking so oh, it's right. the end of semester deal <laughs> and um, so I'm just about there I think I've got about three assignments to get marked this week um, I don't think Tanya's one of them, which is really good. I just saw her walking in. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll feel a lot better when I'm yeah, when I'm sure you that, would. that hump, you know, and I can start looking at preparations for next year. Yeah, absolutely. So I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about Malian um, and how did you come to, to be the principal there? Sure. That's, okay. uh, that's no small job, I'm sure. Yeah, it is no small job. <laughs> that, that is absolutely true. And, uh, and COVID has made it even more interesting than it ever was before. Uh, it was one of those interesting journeys uh, that God had taken me on. As you intimated, I was a, a pastor and we pastored for about 23 years, um, seven years at Cleveland, seven years at Beanley, two years as a regional consultant and seven years at the City Tab. Wow. So I sort of got the seven thing going. Um, <laughs> but um, while I was pastoring at the City Tab, in fact, even while I was Beanley, I, I continued on with my theological studies and uh, during my time at the TAB, I felt fairly clearly led by God to commit some doctoral studies. Not really sure what it was that God had in mind. Mm. And uh, so I ended up, uh, I would use my day off each week to go in and uh, and teach for them at Malian. And uh, so over a period of years, I had um, repeated requests. Do you think it might be time now to quit pastoring and to come here to the college? And uh, and whilst I found that somewhat attractive, um, for a number of years I felt as if that may be something God has in the future, but not now. Not right now. And uh, about 12 years ago, I had 
rocked up on a Tuesday to um, to teach a class, and I walked in, and I was just getting things ready. And as I did, the principal walked in behind me, closed the door, and he said, uh, "One of our faculty has just announced he'll be finishing up. Will you now agree to pray about coming to the college?" And uh, right at that moment, I just felt a, an overwhelming sense from the Lord. Yes, I will. And, and I said, yeah. yes, I will. And, and I, I rang Wendy and um, I said, you won't believe it, but I've just agreed to pray about uh, quitting being a pastor and going full time to the college. Wow. And as we prayed throughout that week, before the end of the week, we both had an overwhelming sense of clarity. God was saying, yep. this is right and this is the time. Mm. And so I went to the college uh, with enormous sense of, of privilege, of investing, as I often say to our team, we're making exponential investment in the work of the kingdom. We pour our lives into hundreds of students who in mm. turn will pour their lives into tens of thousands of people for yep. the sake of the gospel. Yep. And so I had no uh, burning ambition to become the principal, but in the providence of God, that's uh, where he led me uh, about five years ago to take up this role. So did you go straight into it or were you a lecturer for a while? No, I, I was lecturing for a number of years and then I was invited to become the uh, the vice principal or of the college, yeah. and then uh, when our, the previous principal, John Sweetman, uh, was going to retire from that yeah. role, um, I in fact had a, a number of my fellow lecturing staff come to me saying, oh, I'm sure hope that you'll apply for that, and I said, well, I don't know, I'll, I'll pray about it, you know. <laughs> See how we go. And, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, in the providence of God, um, God opened that door, and it's been a, a, a wonderfully fulfilling, yeah. challenging role. Uh, and uh, as I said, I, I see in the role the privilege of making what I see as an exponential investment. We're pouring our hearts and lives into the lives Absolutely. of students who will, in turn, we trust under God's good hand, uh, impact the lives of tens of thousands of others for the sake of the kingdom. It's such a, a an honourable thing to do. I mean, I, I didn't know I was going to be in a Baptist church. I didn't know which one, which yeah. denomination, so I didn't go to Malian, but I absolutely... Absolutely loved what you do. Um, I love you. what uh, how people um, like principals and, and lecturers at Bible colleges that they're even there in the first place that we can do it. And you just invest into people. It, it goes a long way. It prepares another generation, and which is really awesome. Yeah. I'm uh, curious to expand upon throughout this podcast. So we're going to go through a little bit of a topic of um, how do we discern the will of God or yeah. what is the will of God for our, for our lives? Um, and that's a really quite an important topic I've, I've found in my own life. It's question, a question I've had and sometimes still have in, in, in small situations and things like that. But particularly, I know growing up, I, <clears throat> excuse me, had that question like, what does God want me to do with my life? What, yeah. what, what is there something specific that he has for me? And often as an encouragement, many Christians would kind of ask me, they'd, be, oh, they'd tell me, it's like, man, Matt, you've just like, God's got such an awesome thing set out in your life. You're going to be doing amazing things. Uh, you just got to follow the will of God. And you're kind of like, mm. what is that? Like as a young person, it's yep. a bit like, what? Like it, you feel like, you, you, it's such a huge topic, and you're kind of like, how do I, how do I discern that? And I know I kind of didn't, 
I'm really, really excited to do this topic tonight because I really didn't find out how to navigate that properly until I went to college, yeah. and, uh, a theological college, and I, I learned about kind of God's sovereign will, uh, which I'm hoping you can go into a little bit, and then I learned about God's like commanded will of like different things in the Bible, like um, like commands and uh, things that we see of how we should live our lives and how we shouldn't and how we should live in relation yeah. to God and how we should live in relation to, to other people and how he's designed us and so on and so forth. Um, but... And and I just saw that there was it was multifaceted. It wasn't that there was just this one will of God, and if I got off track, then it, it was all done and dusted. But there was all these different kind of uh, elements to the will of God. So I'm wondering if you might be before we get to that real specific, like what is the will of God for me? Um, question and how to navigate that. I wondered if you might be able to kind of take us through some of the other sure. kind of yeah. forms of the will of God. Yeah. I think one of the things that happens very often for, for Christians is that there does come a time in our journey when we say to ourselves, uh, what is the will of God? What, what does God want me to do? And, and I think that's a good and a legit, legitimate question to be asking uh, in our journey. And, and often that takes place particularly for people at, at significant points in the journey. Maybe they're finishing school or finishing uni. Uh, there's a big decision to be made. And so they want to know, well, you know, what is God's will for me? But I think it's important to take one step back before that to be reminded that there is, as you've said, a sovereign will of God uh, where the things that God purposes to do, God will accomplish those things. Mm. Uh, you might remember, for example, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prays and he says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Mm. Yet nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. And there's absolutely no doubt that it was indeed the sovereign will of God that Jesus should go to the cross, that he would die. And so as Peter speaks there on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, he talks about uh, the fact that Jesus, even though he's taken uh, by the hands of sinful men and put to death, mm. uh, this was all in accordance with the divine purpose of God. And so God was going to accomplish something. So we need to be aware of that. Yeah. As Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, essentially, God works everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. Yeah. Uh, God is going to accomplish his will in this world, regardless regardless of the, um, the, the ruling authorities, regardless of, of the Putins of this world and all yeah. the rest of that. God will do what he, he will do. Yeah. And, and that's a very reassuring thing, I think, for us. But then, as you alluded to before, there is also what we might call the commanded will of God, the things that God says, this is what I want you to do. Yeah. And uh, so I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul there in Acts chapter 17 as he goes to Athens and he speaks at the Areopagus, Mars Hill. And in that incredible message that he delivers there, he says, and now God commands all people everywhere to repent. I mean, this is the will of God, that people should repent. Yeah. But of course, whilst it is God's command, not everyone will necessarily do that. Yeah. Um, as Paul writes to the Thessalonians, uh, he makes it really clear to them. He says, um, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. In other words, you should become increasingly like Jesus. And he goes on to, to make it very specific and says, 
that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Mm. And so this is God's commanded will. You should abstain from sexual immorality. Now, we know in the world in which we live, not everyone obeys the commanded will of God. No. And indeed, sadly, on too many occasions, even Christians don't. Yeah, particularly on that topic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and it, it, it should grieve us, rightly grieve us, Absolutely. Uh, as indeed it grieves the heart of God even more so. Uh, as Paul writes to the Thessalonians, uh, you might recall he says on another occasion, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In other words, it is God's will that we learn to give thanks in all circumstances. And, and I love the way he puts it that he, he doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances because the reality is some of our circumstances are rubbish. Yeah, they're not great. But he says we ought to know what it is even in the midst of it to be able to give thanks yeah. to God. So in the midst of it, to be able to give thanks to God. This is God's commanded will for us. Mm. And so I think it's good to be uh, fairly clear in our minds that God does have specific things that he's commanded for us. But there's another thing which I think is, is helpful for us to be reminded of, and we might call it the permissive will of God. Mm. And that is, in a sense, God has laid out for us um, his, his moral will, his desire for us, but there is a, another sense in which uh, we, we have a, a, an awful lot of scope to make choices on a daily basis. And we do that, yeah. don't we? Um, we? We make all kinds of choices. You made the uh, choice to be here tonight. Yeah, I, I did, yeah. And uh, thanks for the invitation. Um, and I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul, who, uh, as he wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, he, he was having this discussion with them about eating food that had been offered to idols. Yeah. And in the context of all of that, he says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. In other words, yes, we've got a lot of scope in making the choices and decisions that we have in life. But even though we've got a lot of scope, not everything is beneficial. And so we need to be wise and discerning. And the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the Romans, picks this up beautifully. Remember Romans chapter 12. He says, I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that you present your bodies in other words, the entirety of yourselves. Mm. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service of worship. Mm. And then he goes on to say, and do not be conformed to this world, but be, quite literally, be being transformed yeah. in order that you may be able to prove or test or discern that which is that good an acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, what he's saying is, as I continue to grow, becoming more and more like Jesus, and he's talking about the process of sanctification, I, along with that, as I become more and more like Jesus, become more and more discerning of those things which are absolutely right and pleasing to God. Yep. And so in my day-to-day -day decision-making, if I am seeking to become more and more like Jesus, or as Paul would say as he writes to the Galatians, um, to keep in step with the Spirit, mm. then I can be well assured that he will guide me and I will be making wise and godly decisions that are actually in step with the will of God. And so um, that, that's probably another really interesting and yet important yeah. thing for us to consider. Do you think that the commanded will of God and the permissive will of God seem to be quite connected in certain ways? Because I presume there's, there's a sense in which, if I'm understanding it properly, you've got 
the permissive will of God where we're, we're seeking after him, uh, living sacrifices, we're seeking to be sanctified. But uh, and the spirit can do a lot of, does a lot of that work, but as well we can kind of are guided in how to become more like Christ by yes. his commanded will. Yeah. Uh, and look, I think, I mean, one of my first questions when people begin to ask me about discerning the will of God for their life. One of my first questions is, have you been keeping in step with the commanded will of God? Mm. In other words, are you committed to being obedient to what God has already clearly told you to do in his word? Mm. And, and we, we brought up that instance there before when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and says, um, you know, that we should abstain from sexual immorality. This is the will of God in Christ yeah. Jesus concerning you. So if you are not being obedient in that, then what makes you think that you're going to get any further, clearer revelation from God mm. about particular things that you may be wanting God to show you what to do. Yeah. Um, if you're not being obedient in the things which are abundantly obvious in yeah. terms of the command of will of God. And so I, I think you're right. I think there is a connection there between the two. Yeah. And and I think it's as we are committed to living in obedience to the commanded will of God mm. that uh, we find that the permissive will of God becomes a, a whole lot clearer for us yeah. uh, as we seek to walk, as Paul says, in time, in step with the Spirit. Could you say that it kind of gives you almost a scaffolding and a good foundation for life in order to kind of work out the next real, uh, I guess, the nitty-gritty of life, of where to go on in each day and each Absolutely. year and that kind of thing? Because um, I found that for myself, that the more I knew and read the Bible and saw Jesus in his life and and the words of particularly the New Testament. Obviously, the Old Testament's amazing, but I see the life of Jesus and the apostles and I see, okay, I'm like building this kind of scaffolding and this foundation in order to go to know a little bit more of kind of their real particular will of God. Yeah. Oh, well, I, and, and I think I, I like your, the use of your term scaffolding. I, I think that's true. Mm. Uh, I, I want to say um, that the scaffolding comes uh, every bit as much in the Old Testament as it does the New. Oh, sure. uh, so just be careful with me because I, I, I teach Old Testament. Um, and so I, uh, if you're looking and you want to get a, a really good handle on the Old Testament scriptures, first semester next year, um, in th over 13 weeks, we'll be doing a survey of the Old Testament. And um, But one of the things I, I notice in the Old Testament is how so often the Old Testament is actually related to the New. For example, the Apostle Peter uh, in the New Testament, uh, writing to first century believers, says, you are to be holy just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all of your conduct. Mm. And he actually picks up almost verbatim what we get from the book of Leviticus, where God, in fact, gives the same instruction. You know, yeah. So in terms of God laying out for us um, his, his commanded will, all uh, we actually see it there in both the Old and the New Testament. So absolutely. anyway, that was just a little plug for, no, absolutely. for, for <laughs> signing up for my Old Testament class next year. You really need to do it. Yes, the whole Bible is important. Yeah, okay. <laughs> absolutely. Well, so you've got these kind of, you've got the sovereign will of God, kind of his plan that will uh, happen kind of no matter what. Uh, he'll use it uh, for his own devices, his own plans. Uh, you've got the commanded will of God and the permissive will of God. So how do they 
how do they relate and how do they help us in working out kind of the specific will of God for your yeah. life? Sure. And, and this is this is probably amongst my students at the college. Um, if there's a question that I get asked probably more than any other is how do I discern the particular or specific will of God for my life? And that might be uh, in respect to uh, sometimes I see couples who come to college quite independently and over a period of time they they seem to choose their seats quite carefully and sitting more and more closely aligned to one another, and I think, oh, okay, I think something's happening. And, and you know, uh, how, how do I discern uh, God's will about the person I should marry? You know, I mean, that, that's often a big one. Uh, for students, it might be, um, how do I discern what God wants me to do in my next step when I finish my degree? Um, how do I discern uh, if I've got perhaps two or three ministry opportunities opening up for me? How do I discern... Uh, which way to go. Particularly as people are finishing year 12 at the moment too. Yeah, and, and that, oh, very true. Step? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so that, that is a really big question that I think burns um, deeply in the hearts and minds of many people. As I said right at the start, very often in those significant moments of life where there's big decisions to make, um, you know, a year 12 student saying, you know, well, what am I going to do next year? What do I study? Uh, do I study? Do I try and get a job? Do I try and get an apprenticeship? Uh, what do I do? How do I, how do I discern what God wants me to do? Uh, and in one sense, we'd kind of love it, wouldn't we, at times, if God would do, uh, you know, some big sign writing stuff across the sky and it was all <laughs> there. Yep, I got it. Okay, thank you. That's a thumbs up. Um, but, but it doesn't work like that, does it? No. And, and so the question comes, how do we discern? Um, can, I, can I take you back for a moment? Yeah. Uh, to the book of Acts. No, 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 let me, no, I'll change my tack. That's all right. I'm allowed to do that, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did mention to you before uh, from Ephesians 2 where the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, I think if we're serious about living lives of faith and being faithful followers of the Lord Jesus... Every one of us should be seeking to discern what are the good works that God has prepared in advance for me to do. Mm. And the fact is, God has good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do, mm. which may well be different to the good works that he's prepared for me to do. Yeah. Um, I know without a doubt God has uh, prepared good works in advance for Wendy to do, and I rejoice uh, in God that he has opened up that door and, uh, and she's accomplishing some extraordinary things in seeking to be obedient to God in that. But, you know, as, as I read through the New Testament, I see on numbers of occasions where you've got the followers of Christ uh, seeking to discern what is it, God, that you actually want me to do. Mm. Let me read to you a, a passage from Luke chapter 16. This is the Apostle Paul, uh, the record of his second missionary journey, and I'll pick it up from verse 8. It says, Paul and his companions travel throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And I always find that really interesting. He says, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. Uh, that is not modern-day Asia, that is Asia Minor, uh, Turkey, that general vicinity. Yep. Uh, how, did, how did the Spirit of God do that? Well, well we're not told. Uh, we don't know. But it does go on to say, when they came to the border, border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. 
And again, you get this interesting thing. The spirit of Jesus saying, no, 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 not there. No, no, not there. Yeah. But what I see here with the Apostle Paul is, is an overwhelming sense of, of commitment and desire to be involved in that work that God had specifically instructed right back at his conversion in Acts chapter 9. Remember the Damascus Road experience where God says that he is going to take this man and he's going to use him to become an agent for the gospel. He will present the gospel to Gentiles and to kings and to those in authority and all the rest of that. And so here's Paul now in Acts chapter 16 desperately trying to do that but every time he tries to do something, it's almost as if the Spirit of God puts up the, the big stop sign. Says, no, no, no. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but I, I've known times in our journey where it's been like that, where we, we really wanted to do something that we thought would please God. It, was, it seemed to be a good thing. And the Spirit of God just put up a big stop sign. I'll I'll come back to that and explain a little bit more. Mm. But let me read on further. He goes on to say, So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. But during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to Macedonia. It's a really interesting passage because suddenly there's a change um, from being uh, Luke talking about this as the, the historian recording what Paul was doing, and suddenly he changes it and he says, it's us. And suddenly Luke sees himself as being a partner in this gospel commission, which is really quite wonderful. But what we see is that the Spirit of God very clearly leads Paul into the next phase of the journey. Mm. Uh, It wasn't to go into Asia Minor. In fact, God was going to call him over to Macedonia. And Paul, as you will know, as you read through the rest of it, ends up at Philippi and he goes to Philippi. And the first thing he does is that he looks for a synagogue because this is Paul's typical process. Every time he enters into a town, he looks for the local synagogue because if he goes to the local synagogue, he'll find a bunch of people there who at least have the Old Testament Hmm. and he will be able to share with them from the scriptures about the Christ. But there's no Jewish synagogue. There's, There's not 10 male Jews in Philippi who can form a synagogue. And so what does he do? He goes down to the local river outside of the the city of Philippi on the Sabbath. And he goes out looking for and hoping to find a place to pray. And maybe there will be some God-fearers there. And there is. There's a woman by the name of Lydia. And so the Apostle Paul shares the gospel And it says so delightfully there in Acts 16 that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to the gospel Mm. and she becomes a believer. But where does Lydia come from? She actually comes from Thyatira, which is right back in the very area that Paul had wanted to go. And God says, no, 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 I'm I'm not sending you there at the moment. I'm going to take you over to Philippi and I want you to share the gospel there. Now, we're not told exactly the extent of the influence of this lady by the name of Lydia, Mm. but she actually had come from the very area where he had wanted to take the gospel. So my point is simply this. God had a very clear and specific purpose for the Apostle Paul. So the question is, 
How do we discern that? How did he know that? How, How did, did we he know, know that? that? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, if, if you'll indulge me, it seems to me that there are often about five significant things that come together in seeking to discern the will of God, hmm. uh, the particular will of God. What is it that God wants me to do? The first is what I often call the witness of the heart, and that is where it seems that God has planted a desire in my heart. I really want to do something. I've got a desire to serve God in perhaps a particular way. Let me give you an illustration. Yeah. Um, when I was a school teacher and um, I was teaching and I, in fact, started doing some theological studies from Trinity in the US by by correspondence while I was teaching, just had a sense that God was was wanting me to be equipped for his greater purpose, whatever that might look like. Yep. Uh, I'd been up to PNG. I, I led a, a, a group of young ads up there, spent about a month in PNG. And uh, whilst I was there, the leader of the mission agency we'd gone with um, said to me, is there a chance that you and Wendy would come on back here mm. and take up a full-time role at a place called Dowley Teachers College? And um, and become a a teacher and a chaplain. Yeah. And I came home and I thought, man, this is so exciting, you know, <laughs> uh, because God, in one sense, I think had had stirred something in my heart, a desire to be uh, involved in what God had for me. Yeah. So the first thing is a what I call the witness of the heart. There's something in your heart that just has a sense, I, I, I really want to be obedient and I want to be used by God. The second thing is, though, that I would call is the witness of the Spirit. Mm. And the curious thing for us was, as we had been praying about this, both Wendy and I, for all of our excitement, and we were genuinely excited about the prospect of quitting teaching and going up to the highlands of New Guinea amongst the Huli people and yeah. being involved in a Bible college, um, but I had an overwhelming sense that the Spirit of God, a little bit like Paul here in Acts 16, was saying, no. And I'm thinking, what? Lord, this is a good thing. <laughs> you know, this is a really good thing. Yeah. And, and it just seemed that the more we prayed, the more it was almost as if God was just putting up the red stop sign and saying, no. And I was scratching my head thinking, Lord, but seriously, this... This this would be such a good thing. Which introduced me then to the third thing I want to make mention of. Yeah. And that is what I often call the witness of the word. And by that, what I mean is that so often when we are in a place where we have been sensitive to the prompting of the spirit of God, mm. we've got a heart to walk in obedience with God, that very often God will take take elements of his word, often just in the context of our daily devotional life, and use that word to bring a sense of clarity for us. Now, yep. I want to be guarded in this. Absolutely. Because you and I both know that we can we can almost read anything we want into the scriptures if yeah. we want it bad enough, all right? Yep. And so, um, you know, I read it in the scriptures, uh, therefore, um, you know, it's... I'm going to nail everything on this. Um, you know, God spoke to me. God said to me, you know, and, and we've got to be really careful about taking the scriptures 
out of its context and then um, trying to find something that we can sort of say, yes, I've got this, all yeah. right? I just talked to my year seven and eights this morning at church Did about, you? That, about Romans 8.28, about yes. uh, the working all things uh, for good. Yes. Knowing what good, how do you define good, that type of thing. So That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's true, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we can be very easily seduced into trying to get the scriptures to say what we want to hear, mm. what we want to say. In our process of praying about accepting this uh, invitation to go up to Daly Teachers College, in my devotional reading, I came one day to Isaiah chapter 6. Many of you all know the passage. It starts off in the year that King Uzziah died. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. And he gives this incredible um, description of having gone into the temple. And as he went into the temple, no doubt just expecting to be uh, yet another day of going into the temple to, to worship God, to serve God. Um, he has this incredible revelation of God seated upon his heavenly throne. And, mm. and, and it's an awesome description. You might remember uh, he hears uh, the angels calling out, holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. And, and, and we put it in our songs, in our hymns. You know, we, we yeah. sing those words. And so he has this revelation of the holiness of God and, and, and his immediate response is, woe is me, I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips, I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips and all the rest of that, you know. And you might remember how an angel goes and takes some of the coals from off the altar and brings it and puts the hot coals on his lips. I, I can't begin to imagine what that must have been like. Um, but then um, the, the Lord says to him, your sin has been purged. And then he hears the voice of God saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And you, you know the response, don't you, of Isaiah. And, you know, he, he, he whips his hand up and says, here am I, send me. And you know, I must confess, throughout all of my growing up years, I had heard that passage preached on so many times in the context of people calling for missionary service. Mm. I'd been up at Manturnbring Convention and I'd heard so many visiting speakers preach that passage calling on people, to, you know, are you prepared to answer the call? Here am I, send me, you know, um, over to PNG or Bangladesh or Pakistan or wherever it might be. And as soon as I read those words, I thought, Lord, that's me. Here am I, send me. But as I read on for the very first time in my life, I took particular notice of the very next words and God's response to Isaiah was, he says, go and tell this people and what he did is he sent Isaiah straight back to his own people mm. and I thought oh I've never seen that before and I thought Lord are you trying to say something to me mm. and so I went and shared it with Wendy and I said what, what, what do you reckon and she said I don't know but maybe God is saying something to us. Mm. And so, so we, we, we took it back to the Lord. Yeah. And, and this for me, in, in one sense, was the witness of the word. I'm not going to you know, nail all my colours to the mast mm. on this, but there's a sense in which, God, do you have something else for us? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, the next thing for me is, is the witness of the word. Beyond that, over the years, I think... One of the things that I have repeatedly sought to do in moments like this is seek the counsel of godly others. And it's what I call the witness of godly others. In fact, it's what we see Paul doing here. 
Yeah. In Acts chapter 16, um, he's obviously sharing with not just his, um, his companions, but he's sharing also with Luke because Luke suddenly gets the buy into this, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, we concluded that the Spirit of God was calling us to preach the gospel to them in Macedonia. Yeah. And so what I, I, we sought to do at that point in time was I, I went to the, the leadership of our church at that time. We were at Rosalie Baptist. And I said, look, I want to share something with you. Mm. And I'll, what I really want to do is I just want you to pray with us and help us to discern what God actually is saying to us in all of this, yeah. if God is saying something. Yeah. And so I shared it with the leadership there. And they undertook to, to, to pray with us. And quite independently, one by one, they came back to me and they said, we think that God has got a call on your life and we think it probably will be not overseas, but it will mm. be here. Yeah, and I must confess at the time I'm thinking I got no idea how this is going to happen, because <laughs> I was a school teacher. Yeah, uh, almost finished my MDiv uh, that I was doing while I was teaching. Uh, I wasn't on anyone's list uh, to become a pastor or anything like that. Yeah, I, I really wasn't sure what it was going to be. Look here you are. <laughs> and then it was probably about a month later when, quite out of the blue, I had a phone call from the senior pastor at Cleveland Baptist. And he rang me and he said, introduced himself. And I, I didn't know him from Adam. Uh, frankly, I didn't even know where Cleveland was. And I'm sorry for all of you basic <laughs> people. I was completely <laughs> ignorant, all right? And he said, um, we, we are looking for another pastor, um, someone to join me as part of a pastoral team. Mm. And someone has suggested that we should approach you. And I've got to be honest, to this day, I've got no idea who that was. And he said, but would you be prepared to pray about it? Yeah. I put the phone down and Wendy had been hovering around and said, <laughs> which church? And I said, Cleveland. And she said, where's that? And I said, I haven't a clue. <laughs> and back in those days, we didn't have Google Maps or anything like that. In fact, I went down to the car to get out the, the Refidex. old Refidex. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Some of you know the thing. All right. And, and I'm, I'm opening the thing and I'm trying to think, where on earth is Cleveland? My goodness me. It was about an hour away from where we lived. And it's the other side of the world just about. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, okay. So we, we, we prayed. And as we prayed, mm. there was an overwhelming sense that the Spirit of God was saying, and this is right where I want you to be. Mm. Which brings me to the last thing. I remember I've talked about five things, all right? The witness of the heart, the witness of the Spirit, the witness of the Word, the witness of godly others. How do I? I'll, I'll do those four. There you go. All right. <laughs> all right. And, and the last one is what I often call the divine ordering of circumstances where God clearly opens a door mm. that you weren't necessarily trying to manipulate, if I could put it like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. The Apostle Paul here in Acts chapter 16, they go on down to Troas and blow me down. That's a seaport. And there just happens to be a ship that is heading over to Macedonia. Mm. 
and, and it just over the years, with every major move that we've made, whether it be my move from teaching into pastoral ministry, whether it be our move from our seven fabulous years at Cleveland mm. to Beanley, and then into a role as a regional consultant, and then to the city tab and to the college. In just about every one of those cases, there has been a, in a sense, a coming together mm. of almost always, just about all five of those things have come together yeah. in unmistakable ways, mm. and God has opened doors. In fact, we were just driving down here um, this afternoon, and I was reflecting with Wendy, you know, over all of these years, I haven't gone chasing jobs. Um, it's been a matter of simply being led by the Spirit of God and and just watching, often in utter amazement, as God opens doors. Yeah. And I love the way that the prophet Isaiah puts it in Isaiah 22 and 22. What he, that is God, opens, no man can shut. Mm. And what he shuts, no man can open. Mm. And I find that wonderfully reassuring, actually. Absolutely. <laughs> that God, God in so many ways is more desirous of leading us than we are desirous of being led. Yeah. But if God can get our hearts into that place where we want to be led by God and we want to embrace all of those good works that he's prepared in advance for us to yeah. do, he will actually lead us yeah. into those things. So I've gone on for a long time there. No, that's I'm, really, I'm really good. i for a drink of water. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can ask me any other questions. No, I found it really interesting. Um, there, there are such, like, amazing those five things to, to go through. I, I can think of things even in my own life, like even coming to Wynnum, I could basically see most of that um, where God kind of, he shaped it. I saw it. It felt good in my heart, even though I knew nothing about this place. Um, <laughs> it felt good, uh, like in seeking God. It, it, I, I think I don't remember if I saw anything specifically from the Word, that type of thing. But and then I sought others, and so it's 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 really cool. They're really good um, kind of scaffolding of how to work that out. Um, I just had one little thought. Do you think there's anything to be said for for giftings, like in terms of? Um, knowing where you should and shouldn't go. Yeah, sure. I, I think that's a, a really good question, Matt. Um, and, and when you talk about gifting, um, I mean, we often talk about, you know, someone might get up to sing and say, oh, I'm a really gifted singer and all the rest of that. Mm. Um, and, and I think that for, for all of us, there are, uh, if I could put it carefully, a level of natural abilities yeah. that we have. But we also do believe, don't we, from 1 Corinthians, that there are spiritual gifts that God gives to us. Mm. And whether that be that sometimes God will take what might be a more natural ability and, in a sense, um, put his divine touch upon it, mm. and that becomes more than just a natural ability. For sure. Um, I, I, I think that those things are, are helpful. I, I mean, to be honest, when, when I was finishing year 12, I didn't know what I wanted to do. All I wanted to do, all I knew I... I didn't want to do, I didn't want to be a teacher. I had three sisters who were teachers, and I thought, God, I don't want to be a teacher. And, and yet I'm praying at the end of year 12, trying to figure out what on earth am I going to do with my life. Mm. And I, 
as I'm praying, and back in those days we used to have to put in a selection thing, you know, various courses that you might want to do, and, and, and I imagine that the same sort of thing still happens to one degree or another. And I had a bunch of things there, and uh, I was thinking, oh, I might, wouldn't mind being a radiographer, or I wouldn't mind being an electrician. That, that crossed my mind <laughs> then. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I saw teaching on the thing, and, and as I'm praying, I felt, I felt really compelled from the Lord. I, yeah, I'll tick the box, all right? Yeah. Didn't want to be a teacher. And, you know, on the one day I got two offers came in. This was the first round of offers. Two offers came in. Mm. And they came, this is back in the day when you didn't get emails, right? You got letters, all right? So I got letters in the mail, which is kind of challenging where I lived. Um, in my suburb where I lived at Inaugurant, there was about four Peter Francis's who lived there. So I'm <laughs> always lucky when I actually got my mail and not the other guys. Um, but I, I opened the mail and the first one I opened was an offer for teaching. Mm. I thought, get out. Huh. <laughs> Next one I opened was radiography, and I thought, yeah. But, you know, the more I prayed, the more I felt absolutely compelled by God mm. that I needed to accept the offer to take up teaching. Yeah. Now, in one sense, I think part of that, God had gifted me as a teacher. But there is a sense in which I think beyond that, there was also a, a gifting, a spiritual gift that God gave me yeah. for teaching. Now, my, my years of training yeah. in education were a wonderful resource to me. I never knew that I'd end up teaching for a lifetime yeah. as a pastor and then as a college lecturer. Yeah, yeah. But... So very often I think there are elements of, of our gifting and yeah. more particularly perhaps our spiritual gifting. Yeah. And the, the truth is um, whatever God calls you to do, he, he always gives you the tools to do it. Mm. He will give you the gifts that are required to do the task. Absolutely. So, yeah. And sometimes it seems that like... He can work with gift. I've seen it in people's lives where you're just like, they're absolutely from the get go. You knew that they were gifted at that and that God had just put his hand all over that. And they just, they just go forward. But my experience is that I, I kind of didn't know I was gifted or called to something. And then it's kind of been kind of brought out from me. And I, it's part of what I've, I've kind of heard you say a little bit, you're kind of like, well, I didn't think I was going to be a teacher. Yeah. I didn't like, I might be kind of gifted at it, but it wasn't really my first pick. So it's an interesting in, in my mind to see how God works with, with different people as they open their, their will to him. Yeah. It's really, really cool. and, and I think sometimes too, the, the gifting of God, um, if I could be careful with this, I want to be, be very careful with it, but I, I think that God sometimes, in terms of that sense of spiritual gifting, um, God brings it along at the right season. Yeah. And so it might be something which kind of leverages off what we might call a, a more natural ability, but somehow or other God just puts his hand upon that mm. at a particular time and all of a sudden... My goodness me, I, I, I just would never have picked that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. 
This has been a really cool conversation. I want to keep going, um, but I want to I want to allow a little bit of time for sure. Q&A from you guys, um, for whether you're in person or online. Um, if you guys want to put in a question for, for Peter, um, that would be awesome. Um, so you can go to, it should be just up on the screen there, slido.com, S-L-I-D-O, and then the number is 319 3857. Uh, but yes, it should be on the screen at home or just there. We're going to take about a, just a five minute break just to kind of stretch your legs, go get a drink of water if you need to. Um, but make sure you put in those uh, in those questions and then we'll get to that. But thank you so much for that conversation. I, I found that really enlightening. Why don't, we, why don't we give Peter a hand, hey? <laughs> thank you.